Hello, everybody. This is Kim Scott. I am the co-host of the Just Work podcast and author of the book. And I'm Wesley Faulkner, the other co-host, who is working in developer relations and community management. And joining us today on the show is our guest, Laura. Laura, can you introduce yourself? You bet. Hi, my name is Laura Holmes. I have been a product manager for, you know, 13, 14 years and was at Google for the majority of the time, but left in October and have been setting out on my own to do my own thing. So, but more on that later. Um, and I identify as a woman. Um, I'm Hapa, so half Chinese, half, half white and a mother, which is probably, you know, good context for me to be bringing to this particular podcast. I wanted Love to it. see Welcome. one thing is that, uh, I, I think people on the podcast know that Kim helped me through the pandemic with her books, but Laura helped me by doing some direct mentoring and actually really, really pulled me out of the dregs of some really dark depression and some some challenges Aww. that I was having. So I wanted to make sure that I take a little bit of a pause here, a little bit of a co-host privilege and say thank you, Laura. Oh, it was such a, so fun to actually meet you because I don't meet that many people on Twitter. And so I think it was like in this really like strange moment where we ended up connecting because I had uh, built a product called, I think, Grasshopper, which is how we met each other. Um, so I, right. I, I know I built the product Grasshopper, but I think that's how we met. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and it was, you know, trying to, you know, teach people how to code. Um, and I think that's how we found each other on Twitter. And then we just started chatting. And so I remember actually talking for hours um, late at night, trying to connect and talk to you about, you know, career and life. It was, it was a real privilege for me too. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That is amazing. You know, sometimes Twitter does work. I mean, maybe does yeah. it still work? It did. Sometimes Twitter did work. Maybe I should say, <laughs> uh, yeah. And maybe it will want it will once again work the once in future Twitter. I think people want something like Twitter to work because yeah. we can, you know, there's so much value in the types of connections that it does create. So let's let's hope something does it. Yes. Well, maybe it's not Twitter that works. Actually, maybe it's Wesley because I also met with Wesley on Twitter. I think it's actually it's Wesley that works. I, I agree with you that a hundred percent. Yeah. Just, he's got a, a magnetism to him that I just, yes. I, it's, it's really wonderful to be in your orbit. Yes. Oh, come on, please. Thank you. It's, it's the privilege is all on this side of the microphone. Believe me. Love it. Okay. So if it's okay with you all, I'd love to read just a little passage from what used to be called Just Work and what may or may not in the future when the paperback launches be called Radical Respect. So we can talk about the pros and cons of that renaming of the book. Uh, but I'd just love to get your feedback on this passage. Uh, okay. Last week, Wesley and I talked about what is radical respect. Radical respect is what happens when you optimize for collaboration and honor individuality. Uh, and so uh, this week, I want to read the passage on what gets in the way of radical radical respect. Is that all right? Let's do it. All right, here we go. What gets in the way of radical respect? Many things get in the way, but the three big are bias, prejudice, and bullying. People often conflate bias, prejudice, and bullying, treating them as though they are synonymous. For example, the term microaggression is useful in, in pointing out small injuries that add up to repetitive stress injury. The problem is there are three different reasons why microaggressions happen, bias, prejudice, and bullying. 
You need to figure out what you're dealing with in order to figure out what to do about it. To help parse the problem, let's start with some simple definitions of each of the three different problems. Bias is not meaning it. Bias is unconscious. It comes from the part of our mind that jumps to conclusions, often reflecting stereotypes that we don't believe if we stop to think. Prejudice is meaning it. It is a consciously held belief, often rationalizing flawed assumptions and stereotypes. Bullying is being mean. There may be no belief, conscious or unconscious, behind it. Often it is the instinctive use of in-group status or power to harm, humiliate, dominate, or coerce others. Of course, there's some overlap. There's a fuzzy territory between unconscious thought and conscious belief. For example, a feminist I know is a nervous flyer, and when her pilot is a woman, she feels more nervous. She rejects this intellectually and is aware of the irrationality of her emotional response, but it still happens. Generally, there's no belief, conscious or unconscious, at all behind bullying. It's just an instinct to dominate. Bullying is sometimes emboldened by conscious prejudice, as in the case of the Jim Crow South. Or a person might bully with biased language. And then I have a little diagram of three overlapping circles. All right, so we'll stop there. Lay it on me. What do you think? Um, I think, first off, I completely agree that these are the reasons why microaggressions happen. And I think it is also really important to tease them apart. I think that you can really, um, I think intent, you know, uh, is really important in pretty much every human interaction, <laughs> whether yes, it be good yes. or, or, or negative. Um, and uh, I, so I, I do think it's really important to, to tease them apart. I think where my initial reaction, because I know you like radical candor. Yes, um, I do. Please. Was that I, I kind of had this reaction where I was like, I'm not sure all three are equal. Um, yes. And I, that's kind of like how you put that. And maybe it's the diagram in it that kind of made it feel like they're on equal footing. But I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, bias, like we can talk about bias, right? Like, yeah. you know, we all have it. It's complicated. It's our, our histories, et cetera. And bullying, like, there's all these, you know, stories about how you can have empathy for bullies, et cetera, et cetera. But I just couldn't find, like, prejudice as, like, a thing that was okay that I could, like, somehow rationalize and find the humanity in. <laughs> yes. And I think that that was the thing that I, when I was, you know, hearing you read this, I was like, you know, I agree with all three of them as being reasons for it, but I'm not sure I feel emotionally like they're on equal footing together. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question and a really important point and probably something I should bring in right up here because like bias, one single incidence of bias uh, doesn't make me nearly as mad as an incidence of either prejudice or bullying. Um, mm -hmm. But bias happens so much more often. So even though there isn't ill intent, it maybe does, at least for me, and maybe this is, maybe I'm speaking from a position of privilege here, but bias has harmed me more in aggregate um, than either prejudice or bullying, I think. Uh, but I don't know. What, what do you, what, uh, so, so they're not, maybe they, maybe it shouldn't be three circles. Maybe it's like a circle, a square and a triangle overlapping. Yeah. I think <laughs> you know what that, I mean? 
I, I agree with you that it's like maybe something about the visual. And then I think the other th thought that I had too was really about how the, they interplay together. As well. Yes. Yeah. And maybe that can get into like, you know, some stories, et cetera. Cause I do think that um, there's biases that we all kind of hold. There's all those like, you know, the bias test, you just kind of, you know, how you grew up and where you, uh, who you see day to day can really impact bias. Yeah. Um, but when people are in certain environments, they and they cause the bullying. It causes more bullying, and bullying and biased environments is, I think, where the real harm yes. starts to, yes. to kind of uh, maybe it's a kind of like exponential or yeah. thing starts to really compound. Um, so I think that was also the the kind of reaction that I had uh, to the reading. What about yeah. you, Wesley? What do you think? Yeah, I was. That, that's a very interesting take. Um, it's almost it's almost similar to our last episode about talking about perspective of when someone is the subject of harm, they may not have the wherewithal to really understand the source, which, of which one of these three is it actually um, in terms of the impact Yeah, depending on the action, or it could be a mixture of both. And so I can totally see in some way that why it might have initially seen like on the same even footing, but I think it also goes into what Laura's saying is that if it is indeed prejudice, you don't necessarily address that the same way you do with bias. With bias, sometimes if you can hold the mirror to the person, you are able to have them confront that and be more aware of it and kind of think about the way of mitigating that. Um, and with bullying, there also could be HR or other type of disciplinary situations where rules can put, be put in place to prevent some of those actions. But prejudice, that's something that's in someone's like, I guess, bold bones. Now that's what we talk about, right? Like I don't have a prejudice bone in my body. So I guess that's where it's stored. <laughs> yeah. um, that is something that's like harder to change. It's and, way, way harder to change. Yes. Um, yeah. And so I could see that, that in terms of like mitigation, that's probably one of the ones that's the hardest out of the three. And so it, it does, it is like not equal in, from that vantage. Yeah. Point. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. What, what do you think? Like, I think in, in terms of prejudice, you probably having an, you probably can't change somebody's mind. Um, but you can, you can set rules that say you can't you you can believe whatever you want, but you can't impose that belief on someone else. Uh, and to me, that's that's a way to deal with prejudice. The other thing I've been thinking about lately is the value. Uh, like it is my instinct if I think someone has a prejudice, it is my instinct just to avoid talking to them. Um, because I'm not going to change my mind and the odds are they're not going to change their mind and it's just going to be frustrating. Uh, but then we wind up in a polarized world actually. Uh, and, and in rising out of hatred, uh, this book about a guy who was a white nationalist who, who left white nationalism, one of the people who helped convince him to change his thinking 
said that his rabbi told him, your job is not to move the boulder. Your job is just to lean on the boulder. So you have these conversations, Mm -hmm. not with the goal of changing the other person and not necessarily with the goal of changing your thinking, but because that's your job, you know? So I don't know. What do you all think about that? And, and even power structures, maybe in yeah. uneven power structures where the person who has prejudice and influence and power, that's less of a strategy that can be effective because if they're in the room where decisions are being made and there is discussions where they participate and you don't have the opportunity to rebut, um, they can spread that prejudice if they're not super explicit about where their opinion is coming from. Yeah. And so I feel that it's worse than, than just something to um, avoid to prevent from harm, but it's almost insidious and contagious and maybe not so where um, it's super obvious. Uh, I've been in places where people have spread rumors about me um, and been able to, to kind of like poison the well of consideration of whether or not I was a good employee or not. And that's um, awful. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that type of prejudice is not like they're coming off and saying, I don't like black people or, or it's more of them saying, "Uh, I don't know. I've, I I have some suspicions of about the way that he works or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, and that might be just enough to like tank my career promotion yeah, or yeah. opportunities. Yeah, prejudice that's hidden is really especially insidious, actually. Yes, yeah, I, I've seen some weird things in my career um, when it comes to it just. Um, I, you know, I, I was listening to some prior podcasts and like all these stories that I've. Uh, I was like, oh, I should bring this one up. Um, where I remember looking at um, the performance reviews of a number of black women. Um, and I had never seen so many uh, like private feedback to manager from people. Ugh. And I was just like, wait, what? This, this is what's going on. And it's just, it's these wow. kind of subtle things. And like, and you won't even talk to their face about it. They don't even know that this is on their permanent record when it comes to performance. Like, this is awful. Wow. Um, and, that's, and, and that was, I assume, in an environment where, in general, if you wrote feedback about someone, you were expected to send it to that person. Mm-hmm. As, and, right, and the, right. And, and the private comment to manager is supposed to be the exception and almost never happens. It should never happen. I've like I've probably reviewed like you know a hundred different people's performance reviews through you know, like various different things and hiring, and I've never seen as many secret feedback to managers as there are on black women's packets, and oh, they don't know awful. about it, and it gets passed around to hiring managers, right? And, and does, so, does it does it get flagged by HR as a problem? No, it doesn't, oh right? Gosh. And so it's wow. just this, That's and awful. I bet those people, those people who left those reviews, I don't even think they probably even thought it was prejudice. They're just like, oh, well, you know, I just really have some strong feelings about this person and how how they're working. Um, and I just, you know, it's that silent kind of insidious behind the scenes thing that I was just like, wow, this is a next level that I didn't, didn't even know 
Oh my gosh. Wow. That is awful. That is really awful. Uh, You know, I'm going to mention, if I may, I'm going to mention that to uh, Kieran Snyder, who is the CEO of Textio. And their whole thing is about like pointing out biased language, but that's like a, a, a whole, that is, that is really awful. And yeah. really important. Um, so thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. I think the more people who know like where these types of things, you know, show up like that, that field should probably not exist, you know, in, in the yeah. HR system. Yeah. Or um, if it, do, if it does exist, there should, there should be a measure that, that you know, where people get a uh, auto response. Do you realize you only use this field when you're <laughs> reviewing underrepresented employees or, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. and the manager, like at, at, at a certain point, if there's too many of them, they should just be, they should be expunged from the record. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Stalinist, but it's like, it's really awful. Yeah. It's all, and this is these like structural things that I'm sure someone yeah. who didn't think that this field could be exploited this way. It's like, oh, no. yeah, I'm sure we know. And, but it, it's it's all, it's all the systemic stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Um, that's, that, is, that is a terrible but really important example. Thank you for, yeah. for sharing it. Yeah. And whether that was bias, prejudice, bullying, or people, I mean, so, uh, the thing that's going through my mind as you're telling, telling us about that is sometimes when I'll be, I'll be, giving a talk to a group of CEOs and they will tell me explicitly and justify it. So I guess that means it's a prejudice. They'll say, I'm not going to give feedback directly to underrepresented employees. Usually they're talking about women when, when I'm, uh, when I'm in the room, uh, because I'll get in trouble with HR. And it really makes me mad because I'm like, look, first of all, you know, who does HR report to you? Second of all, <laughs> second yep, of all, 100%. Yep. like this is why you get paid money because you're leading, you know, and you're, you, you have to, you have to take some, it is your job as a leader to give everyone feedback. And, and because it might be, you know, because you might feel uncomfortable giving certain people feedback does not let you off the hook for giving them the feedback. Yeah. Yeah, it's the the insidious, like secret stuff that I think is some of the most harmful um, things that could happen. Because as a person who's the tar- target of the stuff, you may never know, and and for some reason, you probably even think that it's you, or there's something that's wrong with you. Um, I, I haven't shared this, and I don't want to take up too much time with my own stories. No, but um, <laughs> please do. <laughs> Um, yes, agreed. So, so three weeks ago, I got a message on LinkedIn, and it is an it was an old coworker from a previous company that I worked with, and they said to me in this message saying that they held on to the secret for several years, but they couldn't hold it any longer. Um, their manager uh, asked this person repeatedly during their one-on-ones to look and watch me. Uh, oh my gosh. They no. didn't think I was qualified for the role. 
Oh my God. And so this person, we, there is a, these rows in the office and I sat on one side and this person sat about three seats over, but on the other side, um, across from me. So we made eye contact a lot and we talked a lot. And the person who told me this, um, said that this happened almost immediately after I was hired. So it wasn't something that I demonstrated no. or something that I did. It was just almost from day one and it went on for months. So it's not a one-time thing. It's almost like they were then assigned and pressured oh by their manager gosh. to find some dirt on me or something that shows that I wasn't uh, like qualified to do the role. And the person who told me this also said in under no uncertain terms, the only difference between me and anyone else was the color of my skin. So it wasn't even ambiguous to, to them about why this was wow. happening. And it was I straight assume, up. I assume your manager was white. My manager was white, but this was not my manager. This was a manager of someone who was not even in my reporting structure. Oh my wow. God. Some a total other, oh my, some cross-functional manager, right. not your and manager. I, I had the, wow. one of the worst times at this company. Uh, and Laura, like well, I was telling you, like I have the worst work history. Uh, yeah. this was, is this, this the is company like you were telling me about? <laughs> no, it's not. This is something oh, else. Gosh. Oh, gosh. Uh, no. And so. Leslie, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. And it's just like one of those things. It was like, I did not know what was going on and how people had this impression of me but then i just found out three weeks ago this is probably why here's why yeah wow. oh my gosh well i'm glad this person told you i wish they had maybe been a better upstander earlier while you were still there uh but i'm glad they finally told you because that yeah. is disgusting it's awful yeah that is really yes. awful I'm, I'm um, thinking about this insidious stuff, how it kind of like goes on behind the scenes. Um, and I guess since this is a podcast and hopefully other people listen to it, I maybe want to uh, share a flip side to that, Okay, um, which is because I think that, you know, all of these like people rumoring, you know, fear mongering, whispering and stuff, it's just kind of in the cracks and it's gross. Um, yeah. But a friend of mine um, was like, well, if people are going to talk, Let's have them talk about good things. So yes. I think she called this like the shine thing uh -huh. where she basically, um, anytime she heard about a person from a you know different background, she would just be like, yeah, you know, I hear they're really great. I hear they're <laughs> so good at their job. They're just like really, you know, on top of their stuff. They're, they're really detail oriented. We're just kind of like lean in just a little bit more and just hope that that, you know, the positivity would get transferred and rumored milled throughout the company. Um, and a part of me, I, I wasn't there and working with her. I could, didn't see it myself. But a part of me really hopes that that can be one of the ways in which we can use the same mechanism, but for good. Yes. Yeah. But it's got to, you got to mean it. You've got, you know, it's got to be real. Totally. Uh, yes. uh, but I think that's really important uh, to yeah. do, actually. Uh, I, I like that. But, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, that there's an, another part of the solution here is, is what Fred Kaufman calls clean escalation. Another, mm. which basically just means don't talk badly about people behind their back. 
Uh, And certainly he talks about clean escalation, which is, which is if, if you, if you and a peer are having a conflict and you can't resolve it, go to your boss together. I mean, what your, what your boss did, Wesley was like dirty delegation. (laughs) It was Not, not my boss. This Not is your boss, in a sorry, sorry. But the, but what the that, A leader. That evil manager did was dirty, yeah. dirty yeah. Um, delegation. Yeah, really uncool. Uh, I mean, really sick. I mean, racist, basically. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's what happens when you layer power on top of, of you know, bias and prejudice systematically as you get you get racism and sexism. Yeah, and I think there's not enough emphasis on weeding out these people during the interview phase. I, I don't know if there is uh, usually the the questions, at least when I go through interviews, it's not they're they're kind of generic. Maybe how well do you work with others? How do you handle conflict? But there should be some very poignant questions about to kind of tease out prejudice and discrimination from employees on the way in. And I yeah. Think if that was something that was done, because I, I, I Texio is great in terms of finding bias, but that's like, uh, it's a lagging indicator at that point, um, yeah. it feels like. And yeah. so it'd be nice if this was mitigated more on the front end. Yeah. And I think also if there's a norm of, we're not talking badly about people behind their backs, which like is part of the reason to take the private note out, uh, private note to the manager out of the system. Uh, because I think, look, I mean, you can always go talk to that person's manager, but like in the spirit of clean escalation, if you have a problem with that person, you should go with that person to talk to the manager. I do think that there's something about things coming from the top, though, and values, um, and also the actions that you take. Um, I worked at a bad startup when I first started my career. And Me too. The, oh, man. Awful. The CEO would just be like, I'm so glad we don't have an HR department. And oh. you know, I've, I've gone on the record about it. It's Some pretty awful stuff happened there. And then I think about Google, where I worked for a long time, um, and about the types of things that I would hear people say. And, you know, it, we would have bias trainings and things like that. And hopefully it reduced things. But I was talking to a friend who works at a company who doesn't work in tech. And she told me about a story where um, it became clear that some people were talking about a, a woman on the team and her new haircut in some ways that were kind of unsavory. So they got a two week suspension. Wow. And that type of thing is unheard of, in my opinion. Yeah. I haven't seen it in tech, right? Yeah. Well, you know, you can imagine that, like, if, if leadership is really, you know, putting their money where their mouth is and not letting, you know, biased things happen, bad behavior happen, it really can shift. And I just don't see that type of um, leadership and, um, you know, making the hard calls um, as, as um, culturally appropriate or culturally. Um, yeah. Uh, accepted as as behavior in at big in big tech right now. Yeah, there have to be consequences for for that kind of behavior if you want to stop it. Because if you don't, if there are not consequences, then it's gonna not only will it continue, it'll escalate. It's just gonna get worse. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. So 
Laura, I would love to hear, Wesley, were you going to say something? I would love to hear about your new project. Oh, well, thanks for asking. Um, it is a interactive and personalized storytelling platform for children. So it's called Anansi. Uh, and uh, it's actually, uh, the name is based off of a West African god, trickster god, uh, who is also uh, tells stories. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I'm excited about it because I'm hoping that people kids who may not necessarily see themselves in stories can actually put themselves um, in the stories as well as use their curiosity to really, um, you know, explore the world around them. So um, I'm so launching does, next week. I, <laughs> so, I can't wait. Yeah. So how does it work? Like, what does a kid do? Oh, so um, I'm using uh, the like large language models. Uh, to oh, cool. uh, create stories on the fly. And it's a bit of a like a choose your own adventure type thing. So you can kind of configure each story to be about a particular child. So my daughter's name is Alana. She's uh, about to turn five. Um, and uh, we can, you know, she can pick like which pet she wants to bring with her. She can even also include her, her sister Selena or her, you know, Aunt Shayla, who like lives far away, um, kind of, and they can all go on adventures together. Um, oh, so that is the, really fun! Yeah, that I, think it's be really I loved, fun. I loved choose your own adventure books when I was a kid because it felt empowering that I had a choice and that I could see how that worked out, and also to cheat and if I didn't like that choice to go back and uh, choose another path. Uh, right. But I started uh, making up stories for my kids at bedtime where I would oh, just ask them what subjects they wanted to talk about. And then I would just put them in the story and make it up as we go. And they, they were, it was good and bad. Um, I guess the good thing is that they were really engaged. The bad thing is that they were really engaged at bedtime. Um, but <laughs> but it's first always fun. One yes. of the first features I had to build was end the story after the next choice because it's bedtime now. Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's, that's very good. Yeah. But, yeah, I, but I am also incorporating some things around education as well. And I think that really speaks to what you're talking about, Wesley, about, you know, giving you, you know, confidence about your curiosity. Because I really do feel like, um, you know, every human being is born with curiosity. And yet yeah. it's all of these paper cuts that we experience all the time, whether it's at work, right? Or in the school systems that aren't really designed to help empower us. You know, if you can have a, a thing that helps you be like, yeah, I'm curious and I can get an answer to the thing that I want. I can go off to the left if I want to. I think that that can be something really powerful that um, I hope everyone can, can have. I love that. Well, I can't wait to try it out. I'm writing oh, a novel. Awesome, maybe I'll, maybe I can uh, use... <laughs> use a little bit of it that sounds great <laughs> yeah i'm excited to see it that's a really great project it's i think it's a it's definitely uh on brand for what i know about you and your projects you work on so this is, oh, this thank is really you. great awesome <laughs> and thank you for being on the podcast uh really appreciate you being with us and sharing your stories uh if you're listening to this and you have a story to share we would love to hear it uh please contact us at hello at radical candor. No, no. what is it? Hello at just, just work together. Together. Hello at just work together .com. I've We've done so many of these shows and I can't remember it. <laughs> uh, 
And if you have feedback, we would love to hear about it, about the quality of the show. If you yourself have a story to share, you can also send it to the email address. But if you want to talk about or grade us, we would love your reviews on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Uh, Give us five stars if you like the show. And if you don't like the show, give us five stars. (laughs) And and send us an email and tell us what you don't like. We want to hear feedback. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye.